0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Zooming towards week eight of the NFL season. Trade deadline coming up here uh, this coming Tuesday. We're recording on Thursday the 27th. Moves have already been made. You've seen some of them. Some of them are still rumored. We're going to talk about a few things today. We'll talk about some potential trade moves, who we might think the MVPs are at this point, some quarterback shakeups in some places. In some places, it just got weird, like in New England. And uh, Justin Fields, kind of, they're doing something a little bit different there with him. So, Alex, let's go. Week eight. The kiss of death. Let's first off did not work last week when you picked the Chiefs to beat San Francisco, and they went in and did it. Didn't look good early. You know, San Francisco got ahead. You know, ten nothing, and then uh, then the avalanche came. So uh, I appreciate the kiss of death not working the way I thought it might.
1: I made the pick. I knew that the the Chiefs would win, but then the winds have shifted a little bit, right? The, the 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey, and you send me a message, you're like, uh-oh, he's probably going to play. And he did play. I was certainly happy that my Niners made a big move. They traded for the star running back. They gave up a lot, but the 49ers are basically signaling that, hey, we're all in. We want to make this push for the Super Bowl. We realize that we, their window is probably closing a little bit more, and they needed to make this move. So... At that time, again, the, the kiss of death didn't work, but it kind of shifted in my direction. Didn't make it better for that game, but I do hope Christian McCaffrey is going to be the difference maker in this offense, in Kyle Shanahan's scheme. I think they'll be able to use him to the best of his advantage, and I think he's going to have a great second half of the year for the Niners.
0: Word of the trade comes down like right before uh, the end of the Thursday night game and by friday uh you know christian's flying cross country to san francisco's got the the playbook in his on his ipad uh and he was ready to go and he looks you know like christian mccaffrey so if he as long as he stays healthy they've you know we've always talked about positionless football uh you know during the course of this show over over the past months and it, it was always in relation to defense but now they've got a couple of positionless players in that offense with Debo and CMC, where they can kind of use them interchangeably at wide receiver or running back or both. This you know at the same position and getting different packages on the field. So it will be interesting to see you know how Shanahan deploys this whole thing and how the I guess the usage uh, goes between those two. But yeah, just a, a master move. I don't think he could have landed in a better place. Uh, there's a lot of personal connections there between the Shanahans and the McCaffreys. Uh, He went to Stanford, so it's right there. I think maybe the Rams were in on it. Buffalo had shown some interest, but San Francisco uh, made it happen. So, yeah, that's going to be a match made in heaven, I think.
1: And they didn't give up a first-round pick. I think that was the key here. yeah. The Panthers— The Panthers wanted a first round pick, obviously, because they drafted McCaffrey initially out of Stanford in the top ten. And they still gave up a lot, considering that it's for a running back that has been injured in the past, has struggled to stay healthy the past couple of years, even though this year he has been on the field. I just I want to see it. We still have Jimmy G at quarterback, Lou, and Christian McCaffrey is not gonna be the savior there, but at least now you have Debo. You have McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk is coming around. So there are more playmakers on offense. And I think we could just, and I say we, the 49ers can just be more creative with their playbook and what they do. It just gives them an, an extra dimension. The defense is still good. Do you think that when you look at just the overall like playoff picture, you think the 49ers become the favorite in this in this conference, in the NFC?
0: I really like them. I mean, obviously, I picked them for the Super Bowl last year, and I didn't want to just make the same pick again this year. So I, like, stupidly threw the Packers in there for some reason. Now that looks really, really bad, right? <laughs> but I still think, that I mean, they're the class of that division. They may be the class of the conference for sure. Again, But, again, with them, it's always health. More players, I mean, they just keep going down, and and I, I get it, next man up, and, you know, it's the system and everything else. But, geez, you know, I mean, at a certain point, you know, talent is going to drop off. There's no way you can have that long of a talented bench, if you would. So if they can get some of these guys back healthy and stay healthy... Then I think, yeah. I mean, they're as good as anybody in that in that conference, and actually, I think they have the best roster in the conference.
1: Well, I hope so. I hope that's not the kiss of death. From from Lou when he you, says this, there
0: we go. Yeah.
1: I do hope. That <laughs> well, Philado-
0: Philadelphia's got to be close, and they made another. You know, they made a move. Howie Roseman not resting on his laurels here. Even though they're undefeated, they want to get more pass rush. And Robert Quinn has been a name that's been in the news ever since the preseason. Uh, you know, he's got you know a couple years left on uh, on an extension that the Chicago signed, and it's no. Uh, secret that he was on the block and Philadelphia made the move so Robert Quinn now goes and it looks like Philadelphia's got you know defensive line about 10 deep Uh, but they hadn't been getting as as good a pass rush as I think they like so maybe now if they have Quinn and Hassan Reddick and you know some of these other guys uh Fletcher Cox and so forth you know Sweat. I mean, you can just go out and name after name, but you know, hopefully they get a little bit better pass rush that they that they want, and Robert Quinn fi- fits the bill. But uh yeah, Howie Roseman, you know, trade trader deluxe.
1: Well, the the Eagles do remain. They are the Eagles are the only unbeaten team in the NFL still up to this point. So you know, again, they're going all in. Obviously, it's a tough division, the AFC East, which is a big surprise. All the three teams besides the commanders are are looking like playoff caliber teams, and they should be in the playoffs. But I know your Chiefs, we talked about it off air, the Chiefs also made a move. I'm sure you like this because, I mean, this player gives them an extra dimension on offense if, if he can learn the playbook and, and get in there. Yeah,
0: again, this is kind of a a common thread with, with Brett Veach and what what he's done is they they love reclamation product projects. I mean that that's no no question. I mean Andy Reid's got a you know long list throughout his career going back to Philadelphia. You know with guys like this. Uh, for, and especially with Brett Veach, former first rounders that for some reason or another didn't really fit in with the team that that drafted for many reasons, whether it's health, personality. You know, again, I don't know much about Kadarius Tony, only from what I saw at Florida. Uh, you know, you're thinking like Percy Harvin and players like that, and you're think, wow, you know, the Giants, you know, they got a good player here. But, again, once they get there and you try to coach them, now Brian Dayball in there. Maybe they just didn't mesh. Um, I think they gave up a a a compensatory third that they got for Ryan Poles, the minority hire. Uh, He's the uh, GM in Chicago now. Obviously, he was involved in that Robert Quinn trade. But uh, they got that third pick and a sixth. And this is a first-round pick. I'm sure they had him graded pretty high coming out as well. I'm just not sure this season if he's going to, I guess, get up to speed, if you would. Because from what I saw, last week against the Niners was really the first week that the wide receivers made a huge impact on the game. Juju had over 100 yards and scored a touchdown. Uh, MVS had over a hundred yards, caught a deep ball, which we haven't seen a connection yet this year. Before that play, McCole uh, Hardman, you know, scored primarily on three running plays. One was ruled a pass because you know it's kind of like a pop pass forward, but he scored. So all the touchdowns, or not all the touchdowns, but five of them came from came from wide receivers, or four of them came from wide receivers. So I think more so. Because Sky Moore has had some difficulties with the, I guess, learning to being a punt returner in the NFL, where I think immediately Tony makes an impact as far as being a punt returner, and then they'll kind of work him in as a wide receiver because I don't Sky Moore still needs to get you know some snaps, and they've got, and so now if MVS is coming on and Juju's coming on, and you got McCall. You got Sky Moore. Now you throw Tony into the mix. You know, it's hard to kind of, you know, split up those snaps. So, again, I would pump the brakes a little bit for this season. But I think moving forward, he's on a rookie deal. You have him for a few years. Yes, moving forward, I think this becomes a big deal. Uh, Hardman's at the end of his contract. We don't know if they're going to re-sign him. Juju, you think? They're gonna would extend him at some point. Uh, they already gave him a raise off of his initial one year deal. So again, moving forward, I like it this year. Special teams, maybe a few plays a game, might be a big deal, but uh, we'll see. I yes, I like the move, but you know, I'm gonna kind of temper my expectations for this season.
1: And you should because I mean, a former first round pick new coaching staff, new GM, and they give up on him so quickly. It seemed like he was in the doghouse. And it's really surprising because the Giants wide receivers, I mean, they've been injured. Sterling Shepard went down. You know, Kenny Galladay hasn't played much. And he has been in the doghouse. You would think that somebody would step up here and help in the passing game. And Kadarius Toney gives you that extra dimension. He could be that deep threat. You can use him on ender rounds. He can be that versatile thread coming out of the slot, and he wasn't that. So I would bump the brakes. I wasn't a big Kadarius Tony fan coming out of Florida. I thought he was a one-year wonder. He kind of came on as a senior, uh, rose his profile. But you know how I feel about those guys. I mean, flash in the pan guys that kind of don't do anything for 3 years during their career in college and then all of a sudden break out in their final season so they can earn a high draft grade you know really test well and show off their athleticism and speed so i think Darius Tony is is going to be a waste of of a reclamation project for uh, Brett Veach and, and the rest of the Chiefs organization. Who do you think is going to get traded? I mean, who are some of the guys that you think are going to get moved? Do you think?
0: Well, names that you're here? I mean, a lot of wide receivers, right? And some young wide receivers. I mean, the names that are being thrown around, like uh, Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh, uh, with the kind of ascension of uh, Pickens and Kenny Pickett's kind of connection with him because it seems like whenever Pickett and Pickens are on the field, that's hard to say real fast, isn't it? Pickett and Pickens on the, I mean, they had they kind of have a connection together, which obviously is perfect. They both come in at the same time. Claypool's had his ups and downs with the team. He was kind of, I don't want to say featured, but he played a, a pretty decent game against the Dolphins this past week. Uh, So, I mean, he could be a name again for the right price. They're not just going to give him away. Elijah Moore with the Jets kind of last week was kind of sat down and and was just kind of going to, kind of gather himself and figure out what he wants to do. Does he want to stay? I mean, he demanded a trade uh, after a game that he got like zero targets, zero catches, but uh, they're really not throwing the ball that much. And we talked about that last week, you know, Zach Wilson, they're only letting him throw like 15 passes a game, but DJ Moore, another Carolina Panther that again, if you're a team sitting there, you've already fired your coach, you traded your best player, um, You know, where is this going? How deep is this going to go? you got other guys. Brian Burns on the defensive side of the ball is a name that that comes up. Obviously a highly coveted player that's going to bring at least a first rounder back. He's 24 years old and he's an elite pass rusher. Uh, Another wide receiver, Judy in Denver. That whole situation in Denver is a mess, but you can tell Judy's body language and so forth. He's really not feeling the situation, which, again, isn't a professional thing to do. Uh, so, again, buyer beware, but I think maybe he could move. Uh, you mentioned Galladay. I don't know who would go out on the limb for that dude, but, you know, his name is out there. Brandon Cooks, a guy that's already been traded in his career like three or four times— but never in a bad way. All these teams that trade him, I think, either regret it or wish they could get him back. All he does is put up numbers, and so I think somebody, again, he's 29, so that might limit his market, but Brandon Cooks, again, another name that could be out there, and then the last wide receiver, and there's probably others, but Kendrick Bourne, again, not a great player, but speed, veteran from New England might, might be one on the move. Yeah. Uh, other some other defensive players that I think could certainly move. Roquan Smith, young younger dude, uh, was looked like was going to be dealt before the start of the season. He had his issues with the front office, so Robert Quinn's already moved. So maybe Roquan Smith, unless he settled down and kind of likes what he sees, the direction that they're going. Brian Burns, I mentioned. Uh, here's another one that I I can't see this, but but again, the name his name's been thrown out there. Bradley Chubb from Denver. Again, 26 years old, pretty good pass rusher. Uh, again, these guys are highly coveted. Former, you know, top 10 pick. Wasn't he a top 10 pick?
1: He was a top five pick.
0: There you go. So he could be available. We'll see. Another one that I don't really believe, but it's out there Josh Allen from Jacksonville. Uh, I don't know why they would trade a, a nice young ascending player, but. We'll see. And then uh, a couple of defensive backs. Jesse Bates, who's on a franchise tag with Cincinnati. Um, Again, I don't know if they maybe they just don't value that position as high, but they did put the franchise tag on him. Uh, He may not feel like this is the place for him because they didn't value him with a long-term deal. So that one is interesting. And then another guy, former Bengal, actually, for the commanders, William Jackson, cornerback. Again, he's a little bit older, 29. But, um, yeah, I, th- those are just some things that you see. You don't know how uh, firm this stuff is, but a bunch of names that we were talking about before have been moved. So we'll see. We have till Tuesday.
1: Well, I'm going to add a couple of more, guys. I think um – Cleveland Browns, they're sitting at two and five. Kareem Hunt is in the last year of his deal. He already requested a trade. You know that Nick Chubb is the main guy. Now, I'm looking at his numbers. I mean, Kareem Hunt has only carried the ball nine times for 16 yards in the past two games combined, so I think the Browns are probably keeping him fresh, knowing that they can probably move this guy and, and get you know a quality third-day pick, so... I would say Kareem Hunt is going to be an attractive name. I think the Titans will move Caleb Farley because I think they've soured on their first-round pick from 2021. Now you, some guys have surpassed him. I mean, Fulton is starting, Roger McCreary, Terrence Mitchell. They've replaced him in the lineup. Farley's nowhere to be seen. So he was considered to be a lock at starter. It seems like the Titans- is that a
0: is that a health thing with him?
1: I think it is. I mean, when you get off to a bad start early and you get injured, you kind of be, you're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit, especially with that coaching staff. But then once you can't stay healthy, you can't get on the field and other guys are performing better than you, maybe picking up the playbook a lot quicker. I think, you know, obviously Vrabel values, you know, some other guys higher than than Caleb Farley. And you know before this guy sits on the bench for the entire season and his stock falls even lower this is the chance to trade him it's not because the titans aren't vying for a playoff spot they are but when you realize it's just not working you got to cut bait you got to like you're not going to get a first round pick for him but at least you can get a third or a fourth Maybe somebody is going to be willing to, you know, make that move considering this guy is still young. So, yeah, I do think it is a health issue, but, I mean, once he has come back into the fold, some other guys have passed him. I mean, I've already said Roger McCreary from Auburn, he's a rookie. Terrence Mitchell, a newcomer, he is also started ahead of him, so... I just think that the the Titans' defense just doesn't value Caleb Farley. And another name I'm really surprised about, but I've just noticed that he's not getting the carries, Lou. And just something is up. It seems like Sean McVeigh and the Rams have have really soured on Cam Akers. Okay, because
0: well, yeah, they had a they had a bit of a blow up there, and he was the same, almost the same situation as Elijah Moore, where he was. He was uh, sat last week, and there was really no injury designation at all.
1: And this season, I mean, he has struggled. He's come back from injury, but he's carried the ball only 51 times for 151 yards. I mean, I'm sure the Rams are are trying to get him, you know, I'm sure he wants a fresh start. I think the Rams realize that they need him to, they want to move him. It just doesn't look like there's there's any place for Cam Akers here on this, on this team, which is really surprising because, I mean, this guy looked like he was going to break out, that he was going to just take over, you know, as the new lead back for the Rams, considering that, you know, the Rams had Todd Gurley there for a few years, and he was so successful. I thought Cam Akers was going to be that back, and it looked like he was going to, turn into a star, then boom, injury, injury happens, and, and that's it. He doesn't look like the same player. They seem to be off. He's not dressing. So I think teams are always willing to to take a flyer on a guy that, that has been successful before. Maybe he'll get healthy. Maybe some other team is going to believe in him because right now, Sean McVay and that coaching staff, just they, they don't see a future in Cam Akers in the Rams' uniform. Yeah,
0: my last week when I say the Rams, it was the last game before the buy. So, so not only did he, I mean, obviously had that sat out that week, and now last week they were off. So again, I think this is something that that again, not many uh, teams. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was a whole different ball game as far as you're going to you know give some capital for that. But you know, as far as trying to trade a running back now you mentioned hunt so I mean he might have some value uh, I mean if the Bears are in a little bit of a selling mode Robert Montgomery I would think if somebody was willing to pony something up for him uh, I would imagine they would take it uh, and the same thing with with acres because again I mean it's we've almost normalized people coming back from an Achilles uh, injury and it's Sometimes it's tough. Maybe you know he hasn't regained his his burst and his speed, so he's not doing. He's not running the plays the way uh, coach expects him to, and the player is not getting the ball like he expects to get. And they're using Daryl Henderson and you know some of the other backs. Uh, so yeah, that's, um, yeah, the, the running back position is a very interesting one, especially when trades are, uh, mentioned because again, it's, you know, most GMs figure they're a dime a dozen. I can get one in the draft. I don't have to, you know, give you draft picks to, to bring somebody in. I can't think of a team right now that is that desperate for a running back that is going to give up that sort of capital. Unless, again, it was for, like, a McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley or somebody like that.
1: I think it's somebody in win mode right now. Low. I think it's somebody okay. like the Bills. I mean, the Bills would be willing to take a flyer on Cam Akers. I think they would be just because the, the situation that they have at running back. I mean, this guy can help him in the passing game and as a runner. They're not going to, like, ask him to be the feature back, but he could be that guy. If he's there. So I think the Bills. I think the Bills might be willing to give up something. We're not talking like a high round pick. but No. The Rams would give him up. I'm sure the, the Rams would trade him for like a fifth or a sixth round pick. I'm almost certain they're ready to like cut bait.
0: Yeah, I mean it does it just it's not a fit so whatever they can get there they will so we'll keep an eye on uh I'm sure there's more moves to come uh the NFL trade deadline oh, it was kind of a snoozer it seemed like years ago but as we Continue along and again, previous conversations we've had about some of these younger GMs and taking more of an NBA approach to things and so forth and wanting to keep the roster lean and young and, and, and that whole thing and keeping the cap flexibility. I think you'll see more moves, and then they just being more aggressive. If you are, like Alex said, in win mode, to go ahead and give up some capital to get a guy that maybe you only need for the stretch run in the playoffs. So uh, remains to be seen, you know, what happens. But uh, we'll be taking uh, keeping an eye on it. Um, all right. So we have got some quarterback situations. What did you make of uh, Belichick and the the Patriots the other night with with Mac? And Zappy. I thought for sure he was gonna start Zappy. We talked about it. And he was just gonna stick with a hot hand. But Mac plays like a a few drives, a quarter, and then a little bit into the second, and then bang, Bailey comes in. And not only that, but the fans are booing Mac Jones, especially after he throws a pick and it didn't really look good. And it just it just seems really strange in New England right now.
1: I think it is. I thought Zappy is going to remain a quarterback just because it looked like the offense came alive during that game when he came in and he had success early after Mac Jones he, threw that he pick. He
0: did until it didn't because then it just got ugly in the second half.
1: But Belichick has never been shy about making those nope. big moves, no. and Absolutely he doesn't not. care like whether Mac Jones was a first-round pick last year, and whether Zappy is a rookie quarterback in the fourth round. I mean, we saw him make the move, you know, from Bledsoe to Tom Brady, and we know how that turned out. So Zappy, well, that
0: was for that was that was for injury. I mean, a serious injury, though.
1: I know Bledsoe but then they never went play anytime
0: soon. Well no, that's true and I I agree with that. I it's just See, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm all for I guess in theory you want to treat the quarterback position the same as everybody else. Everybody's always competing. You can lose your job, ju- but doesn't don't you have to especially in this day and age treat the quarterback position a little bit different? I mean, he's like the perceived leader of the team. Uh just to kind of know what what's going on. I mean, the rest of the team, I mean, they voted him a team captain. It would don't you have to be treat that position a little bit differently?
1: It depends on the coach and it depends on on the organization. I mean, there's some coaches that are loyal to their starting quarterbacks that they won't make the move. I mean, we see what has happened in Dallas, right? I mean, they went back to Dak Prescott, even though you know Cooper Rush kept on winning. But you just some some franchises, some coaches are loyal in that way. I don't think Bill Belichick is that way. I think he just he doesn't care. He cares about winning. That's all. If if Zappy gives him a different dimension, if he is able to execute the plays better and you know stay make better decisions. Uh, play right. mistake-free football. If he gives the offense a spark and you know a, a start, like to get it going, because I mean the Patriots look dead with Mac in okay, there. Okay,
0: so so I hear what you're saying. So then why not just start him in the in that game against Chicago? Why go through the exercise of throwing Mac out there?
1: That's weird to me. Okay, I just thought that once he went with Zappy. Zappi didn't have success in the second half, but I thought that they were just going to keep going with him. I don't understand that move. So it's like I wouldn't put it past them if they start Mac. And then he falls flat on his face again in the first couple of drives, and then Bill Belichick will pull him and and get Zappy in there, and then you know that Zappy will start for the rest of the year. I don't know. Maybe he feels like sympathy for Mac because he's coming back from an injury. Maybe he believes he can still turn it around, and and he's going with with the former first round pick. I mean, well, I don't think.
0: He, I mean, you can't. You. I don't know that you can. You know, give up on him right now. I mean, they took him in the first round. And he played really well last year. I mean, for what they were asking him to do, he played really well, and he played within himself. Now, with these these changes, I mean, and, you know, the voice in his ear was arguably one of the best offensive coordinators we've seen in recent time. That voice is gone, and you've brought in a couple of defensive guys or, you know, defensive background guys, and they're calling the plays. And, you know, it's... That was was a very difficult thing to do to a second year guy who was really not completely, kind of, definitely not a finished product, you know, and he's still in the
1: development
0: mode. So what yeah, would you do?
1: Look, what would you do? Because I'll tell you what I would do. I would start Zappy against the Bears. I would definitely I would start Bears. I think we talked about it last week. I say, okay, let it, just
0: let make sure that. Mac is all the way back, you know, physically ready to go. Not just I can go, but actually physically just, okay, 100%. Let's see how far the zappy thing goes. And then you, you would see that, you know, after the first two drives of Chicago maybe not being ready for him at this point, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Maybe it was the play calling, whatever. But then, you know, he fell off the, the cliff as well. So just let him finish that game. Okay, Mac is ready. We're going to put you in. Which, oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure they're saying or what you know the insiders are reporting that Mac is going to start against the Jets this week. So... Again, if that was kind of the way you wanted this to go, just I would have started zappy in against the Bears just to see, hey, is this something is this something real or was it just, hey, we're calling the right plays, we're protecting him, not putting him in situations where he's gonna fail and we just happen to play really good defense these past two weeks. Okay. I mean, that happens all the time. But then when push comes to shove, you see that hey, this kid isn't as ready as we thought he was. I don't know that Mac is as ready as they thought he was. Uh so yeah. Let Zappy play the game last week, and then when Mac's ready, put him back in. Let's go you know, let's go play ball.
1: I would actually start Zappy this week against the Jets. I mean that would be my final take on it if I was Bill Belichick. I would go with the hot hand. They just they, they seem- but he's
0: not the but he's not the hot hand anymore, right? I mean, if you watch the if you watch the second half of that game, I mean, he was completely lost. I mean, there was not there was no juice, no. I mean, it was almost like that you were thinking that they were going to bring Mac Jones back in. Um, so I again, I mean, he was the hot hand going into last week, but again. At the end of the day, you have to make the decision. We went, we we spent a first round pick. It's not like he's a terrible player. He was really good last year. Maybe struggling a little bit this year. He's still, you know, developing. So we we just got to go with it.
1: I wouldn't put it past Bill Belichick that he keeps Mac for a couple of drives. If something doesn't click, he'll go back this- to Zappy again.
0: <laughs> this story definitely is not. A finished deal. Yeah, this is still going to continue to evolve. All right, so uh, Matt Ryan, it, you know, I, I guess they're they're listing him, you know, with an injury, but still, he's be, he is it, an injury designation. He's not able to play, but we're going with Sam Sam Ellinger for the rest of the year. This just reeks of Ursa uh, and his hangover from Carson Wentz. And saying, this is just the same thing all over again. Except we're on the hook for a lot more money here. Uh, He doesn't care. Let's see what this guy does. And I'm pretty sure that Reich is coaching for his job. And I think Ballard is probably on on a very hot seat right now, too. I don't know that Ellinger is going to be able to save anybody's job at this point.
1: I just think the Colts made this move because they would owe a lot more money to Matt Ryan if he, you know, he's owed a lot more money if he suffers. This I think he's injury.
0: he's 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 guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, he's guaranteed like twelve to twelve or fourteen million next year, which isn't horrible. But I think this year the number was much higher.
1: But I just think you know the easiest thing is to blame the quarterback. And yeah, Matt Ryan hasn't been good, but he's only part of the, the old- problem. I mean, yeah, that old
0: line has not been, you know, for what they're paying for it.
1: It's a disaster. Hello, and I mean, you look at the guys that they have, veterans. I mean, those guys have struggled as well. And I'm talking about Quentin Nelson. I'm talking about Ryan Kelly. I mean, they've started like different offensive line combinations in each of their past 5 games. I mean, I looked it up out there, and their offense, I mean, they're they're terrible. I mean, he's been the worst performing unit in the league. They're averaging only like 16 points per game. Protection has been an issue. They haven't been able to run the ball, even when Jonathan Taylor came back. So the easiest thing to do is just to kind of bench your starting quarterback and go with Sam Ellinger. But what has Sam Ellinger done in this league? I mean, why did they buy that? He's never played. He's never taken
0: a snap. Never taken a snap.
1: I know they have, like, an affection for him. Like, when when they... I think they drafted him in the seventh round. They feel like he's mobile. You know, he's... He, he can do more things, like, as a dual-threat quarterback. He can give him an extra dimension. But why do you bypass, like, Nick Foles? You're fighting for a division. You're still in the race. You still have Jonathan Taylor. If Matt Ryan isn't working because he leads the league in interceptions, you know, he is... You know, losing a lot of fumbles behind that offensive line. Go with Nick Foles. You still have a running game. You still have that defense. You still have a chance to win that division because nobody is is running away with it. I just I well, don't they're understand watching, it. They're I mean, watching, you're risking well, it with the young guy.
0: Yeah, but I think they're watching the same thing that— or They're seeing the same thing that, that we are, is that— uh, you have a running game. Well, no, they really haven't lately, right? They've had to actually change to a little bit more of a quick passing game because the offensive line has been so horrible and Nick Foles with his lack of mobility, I don't they're probably afraid the same thing would happen to him that's gonna happen or that did happen to Matt Ryan. So I hear what you're saying and Ellinger is no bit but again, he's a Little bigger guy, little tougher guy, more mobile. Maybe they could steal some, steal some wins, or at least prot- not protect him a little bit better. But he could avoid the rush a little bit better, and maybe they find the running game again. But I think if you throw uh, Foles in there, it's like throwing him to the wolves, and it would just be a matter of time before they'd have to go to Ellinger. I think Foles is like their, you know break glass in case of emergency and then they bring them out you know out of the mothballs and say okay Nick it's all yours
1: you know I, I'm still puzzled by some teams that are not able to solve you know their quarterback problems as I say some teams are able to replace quarterbacks and draft it's
0: not good ones it is not easy yeah
1: Chris Ballard has been scared to draft a quarterback in the draft, all right? He's tried to find patch holes. You know, he's tried to fix these, you know, give these Band-Aids out there, bring in these veterans. And I actually praised this move. I thought the Matt Ryan addition is a lot better than Carson Wentz, but maybe Carson Wentz wasn't the problem. Maybe it's the offense. Maybe it's Frank Reich. Maybe it's Chris Ballard. They haven't done enough. Look, if the Colts don't get into the playoffs, and they're still what, three, three, and one, right? Three wins, three losses, yeah. one tie. So they're still in this playoff hunt. If they don't make the playoffs, I mean, you gotta cut loose of this GM, of this coach. It hasn't worked since, you know, Andrew Luck retired. I mean, they they haven't been able to to make the Colts a big time competitive team last year it worked with the defense but they didn't have the quarterback this year they don't seem to have the the defense that they had the past couple of years so i just think at at times sometimes you keep those coaches and gms too long like some owners cut bait right away it seems like jim ursay has been Pretty loyal to these two, but when when Frank Reich comes out on Sunday and says Matt Ryan is my quarterback, and then on Monday he changes his tune, I mean that doesn't look good. It doesn't bode well uh, when when the coach is not calling the shots. When it's the owner that that's making the decision well, who his quarterback is going to be.
0: Right, and typically, I mean the teams that that do the knee jerk thing with the. You know, with the coach, with the GM, are constantly, you know, it's always like a rebuild. We don't, you know, we didn't draft these players, so those guys are moving along. And it's just, you know, over and over again. So I understand what you're saying. They haven't quite performed. They've been close. But again, this is one of those uh, franchises that, you know, they got really, really, I don't want to say fortunate, but Peyton Manning. Right. And then from Peyton Manning, they go to Andrew Luck. And I think, you know, you're almost in cruise mode at the quarterback position. But Luck took such a beating and then he unexpectedly, like out of the blue during a preseason game, decides to retire because of all the hits that he took and and so forth. So then you're now you're scrambling and they haven't been able to recover from that. And whether it's you know, not having the draft capital or not willing to take the draft capital to move up and, and, and draft one of these, these guys, especially a few years back when you had somebody like, like Burrow and Herbert out there, uh, again, you got to have a philosophy as a franchise or as a front office, and it hasn't worked out. But again, sometimes you get spoiled by, you know, you get the two really good guys in a row. I mean, Favre and Rodgers. I mean, the Packers for, I don't know, 30 years haven't had to worry about the quarterback position. It's not that easy. Trust me, been a Chiefs fan forever. This is the first time they've drafted a quarterback that has worked out. And not just worked out, but he's arguably the best in the league. But for years, you draft... Uh, free agents, trades, you know, it it, it it ain't easy. But you have to try. And yes, Ursay seems to be a little bit more in the mix in terms of these decisions. And yeah, the hot seat for both of those guys is very hot. And they, I agree with you, they're probably going to cut bait at the end of the year. What did you think of what Luke Getze finally did with Justin Fields Monday night? Because it just seemed like, Everybody was clamoring, hey, let's do what he's good at. And it's like, oh, okay, coming off the bye week or whatever, they finally realized, hey, he runs the ball pretty well. He get you know, all, and all this, and it seemed like that was the basis of their offense, and that just crushed New England.
1: I agree. I think they kind of reevaluated what Justin Fields is good at at this point. I think you have to use his legs. I mean, the guy has has thrown for five touchdowns and and six interceptions, all right? He hasn't been a very accurate quarterback. I mean, when you look at, he's only completed like 56% of his passes. So, um, you know that New England makes it tough as far as like throwing the football on their defense. I just think you have to use, you know, you have to use Justin Fields' legs. That is his biggest asset at this point before you... You develop his passing skills, and right now he isn't up to task to to be an accurate quarterback, to make good decisions. So I think you tuck it and run it. That's it. And use that. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like Lamar well, Jackson, I mean, Jalen Hurts. Do it. Yeah. Do what the guy is more comfortable with. Yeah, he might get beat up. Tell him to slide. Tell him to go out of bounds. But use his greatest asset, and it is his legs. Yeah. At this point.
0: Oh yeah, and and he's good, and he's gonna take he's gonna take some hits. It doesn't matter, you know how you tell these guys. I mean, you, you're just in the heat of the moment sometimes, and you're just looking to make, going to make a play. Um, I just, you know, I I keep thinking Cam Newton. Now, granted, you know they they did get an MVP out of Cam. They got to the Super Bowl with Cam, but eventually it was just too much, right? And I think that's the fear of the GM, coach, and so forth to say, hey, we've got this gem. We know he can do these special things with his legs, but unless he develops this part of his game, he's not going to last very long, right? And how is he going to develop this part of his game if we don't have him do these things during games so again it's like yeah but we want to win now right i mean we he could he could make these so and i and the first thing i thought of there was a couple of situations during the game that I immediately thought of Cam Newton, and it was the referees and how they officiate the roughing the passer calls, where some quarterbacks tend to get a little bit different treatment. And Cam, for some reason or another, didn't get the flags. Like, he's this big guy. He can take those hits. And there was a couple on Justin Fields where as soon as it happened, I'm like, what the hell? That's roughing the passer. Or that's a late hit. That's a hit out of bounds. And I could just recall plays cam exactly the same thing. And I'm like, why aren't they calling that? I mean, it just, it was just eerily similar. And I just don't want, and I'm sure they're thinking the same thing is we don't want that for this kid, but. We also want to win. We want to make plays, and he, you know, we have to develop them. So it's a fine line. But uh, you know, hopefully they can mix in some things where he does develop a passing game, like they do for Jalen Hurts. And he, obviously he did a lot of work himself in the off season to to improve at that part of his game. So hopefully they do the same thing with Justin Fields. How about MVP? What do you got?
1: I'm gonna go with Josh Allen. Hello, I just. watch out
0: that that lit that limb's pretty weak out there alex be
1: careful the bills have the best offense they have the best team i think they have the best quarterback i know you're gonna go with patrick mahomes so i have to be a little bit different here Um, i'm gonna (laughs) go with josh allen pull for him i think he is you know he's got a strong arm he's he can run, he can throw, he can put up the numbers. The Bills offense is is explosive. It, it runs through him, and yeah, I just think that he's ready to explode. I think he's going to walk away with an MVP. I've got him as the early favorite. Um, I, I think he's going to pull it out at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, nothing has changed, I think, from the beginning of the season to now. You've got Josh Allen. You've got Mahomes right there. And I think Josh Allen, as far as the eye test is concerned, is probably gonna, you know, gonna have that edge because of some of the you know wow plays that he makes with his legs, right? I mean, he's just a much just a completely different athlete that, than Mahomes is, and then on top of that, the efficiency that they operate that offense with and the explosive plays. And, yeah, I, and Mahomes has, has already been the MVP. So, again, I guess I'm leaning more towards who I think is going to win it. Uh, it would be great to see Patrick win the, the MVP again. But, you know, to me, I just want to see them win. And if Allen wins it, he deserves it. He deserves to be up there. Now, we might Joe Burrow's starting to kind of come along here. The Bengals are turning things around. So let's see, you know, if he can make it a three-man race. Uh, you would have to, you know, think maybe. And again, he's not going to see the numbers. It's not as, as sexy, but like Jalen Hurts, I mean, his team's undefeated. It's very, the offense is very Hurts-centric, you know, running the ball, throwing the ball. But I don't think, you know, from the vote from a voter's perspective, from a national perspective, it's just not going to happen. So right now, Josh Allen is the guy. He was the guy going into the year. He hasn't done anything to dissuade that. So, Josh Allen's the dude. All right, how about some picks? Last week, the again, the kiss of death was not the kiss of death. Chiefs win. Alex wins his lock of the week. Do you have one for us this week?
1: I do. I'm going to go with the Giants on the road to win it against the Seahawks, and they're going to improve 7-1 and one before their bye. I think the the overall, I don't know, help me out here. I think it's the Seahawks are at home. I think their favorite, yep. like, minus three and a half.
0: Three? I got three. Yeah, I mean, it could be a you know, number of places, but you're looking three, three and a half. Yep. All
1: right, let's do minus three. I, I think the Giants are going to pull it out. Um, I realize that the Giants haven't played a prolific Offense like the Seahawks all year long. Seattle is number five in the NFL in points per game with over 26. The Seahawks are second in total points, ninth in total yards. They've scored like 48 points, 32 points, 19 points, and 37 points in their last four games. Who would have thought that with Geno Smith leading the charge? But I think the Giants will establish, will continue to establish their winning formula. They'll control the pace of the game. They'll run the football. They'll force some turnovers and make some key stops in the fourth quarter. I'm going with the New York Giants. I'm a believer. I'm a believer in that coaching staff. I'm a believer in what they're doing. And they're winning with Daniel freaking Jones. I know we talked about it before. But God damn it. I mean, who would have thought that? This is a playoff team. It's time to give them respect. It's time to give the Giants respect. They deserve it. I think they go on the road and get the win against the Seahawks.
0: All right. So last week, um, and I think there's a theme here, and typically when I do my best damage is when I pick a live underdog, right? So 3-1 last week. The only team that lost was the favorite that I took, Jacksonville, minus 3 against the aforementioned Giants. Again, they're living right. They're doing things the right way and making the right decisions in these games. They made a huge play, not that it would have factored in the spread, but at the last play of the game, when Lawrence drills one into Kirk and he's like 1 yard away from getting in and somehow they made some a terrific play keeping him out of the end zone and they end up winning the game. And every Giants game looks like that, right? I mean, it's always something happens at the end of the game, but they are making the plays. And like when you said the coaching, that's exactly where that comes on the field. They believe they're going to win these games, where I think in the past it was always like, well, here we go again, and we're going to lose. And they did. But he's changed the the aura there. So you got to love what he's doing. But Washington plus five, they win straight up against the Packers. Seattle plus 6. They blow out the Chargers. And then the Steelers somehow, somehow cover that game 16-10. to 10. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but at a certain point, it was like 4th and 1 or 4th and 2, chip shot field goal. McDaniels decides to go for it. Okay, you're playing a team that is having trouble moving the ball, scoring. Why not go up two scores? Now, again, it was great for me. I had the Steelers plus 7, and they covered. So anyway, so 16 and 14 overall. We're back over 500, so that's a good thing. I, for the life of me, really couldn't find many live dogs that I like this week. And some of the favorites, I mean, it would be very simple to say Buffalo is just going to run Green Bay out of the building, but I hate laying double-digit numbers. So here we go. Minnesota, a team that again for some reason is flying under the radar. Kevin O'Connell, you know, he's a first-year head coach. Obviously, for good reason, we keep hearing about Brian Dayball, but he, Kevin O'Connell—he's five and one. They're moving right along. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna take them. I know Arizona plays better on the road than they do at home, but I'm gonna take Minnesota minus three and a half. You mentioned uh, the Seattle Giants game. This is going to be a big game to see. You know Who do we believe in? I mean, these are the two biggest stories, I think, so far this year. These two teams. Who's going to do it? I'm going to go with the home team here. So I'm against you on this one, Alex. I'm going to take Seattle minus three. Again, I'm going against everything that the Giants have been doing. Not saying they're a bad team, but I'm just saying at a certain point, it's gonna turn, and I just think Geno is just having a great year. It doesn't matter who they have playing out there. Uh, this draft class is just—I mean, Seattle. Usually, when we talk about their drafts, it's because of how outrageous it is, or how wow we didn't have or they we didn't have him rated that high, or wow they, they, that was a reach. But you've got the offensive linemen, Cross and Lucas. Starters, they don't need, I mean, these might be 10-year guys. The corners, Tariq Woolen, the fastest guy at the combine, Kobe Bryant, Again, under the radar. He played opposite of Sauce Gardner. And then, I mean, the jewel of all of it is Kenneth Walker, who looks like you know maybe another Adrian Peterson out there. So uh, I'm going to go with Seattle there. So I, that was a long-winded uh, way to say I'm going with the, with the Seahawks. Uh, last two games, San Francisco, yeah, I love them. I don't care, injuries, whatever. Uh, the Rams have to prove to me that they're – I don't know, ready to win a big game. And it seems like Kyle, again, has Sean uh, McVay's number during the regular season. I'm going to take... And San Francisco is actually favored in this game. And I hate laying points on the road, but I'm going to take San Francisco minus one and a half. And then this one. We talked a lot about the Colts. It would seem very easy to say, you know what? This is probably the spot where they win, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to go with the other... uh, I guess uh, I don't know <laughs> the other uh, surprising quarterback here, and Taylor Heineke, who seemed to pick things up as the game went on. So I'm going to go with the with the Commanders plus three at Indianapolis. Uh, so I'm just going to go with four this week because again, I struggled to find those four. Uh, I could not find any really live underdogs that, that say that was just screaming at me, and that just uh, that, that's rare. What do you think?
1: I think Sam Ellinger will prove Jim Ursay Jim Ursa right. I think he's going to help okay. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard this week. I think they win against the Commanders. I just I don't think it's going to happen here. I'm, I'm more of a believer in Sam Ellinger just because of what you said. He gives them an extra dimension, running the ball. I think it's going to surprise Washington a bit. So I'm going to go with the Colts to pull it out this week. I'm not saying Ellinger is going to win 10 straight games. But he's gonna pull it out.
0: He's but. gonna win this one because they they don't know him, right? There's no not a whole lot of a lot of film on him. They have to look at you know back at Texas film or something like that. But now I'm gonna go with you know again Riverboat Ron here. You know for some reason he's just he's got to be on the hot seat too. I mean that whole Washington situation is just again front office the owner that's kind of shaky. Do they stick with the coach just to have some? kind of uh, stability there. I think they're going to get it done this week. So those are the four. All right, gang, that is going to do it for this week, week eight. Uh, I think the only teams are What the, the Chiefs are off, and I think the Chargers. I think those are the only two teams that are off this week. So, uh, yeah, week eight. Here we go, gang. Let's go. For Alex, I'm Lou. On the way out. Hey.